0: Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics. Thanks for joining us this week. We have an amazing guest, Tom Rash, um, artist extraordinaire, worked for Marvel, um, and he has created all kinds of different worlds. But before we get into that, if you could give us a like, a subscribe, that really helps out the channel, and you could be up to date on all the great interviews that we're doing. We have amazing interviews that we have done and a lot more coming over the next few weeks. Um, But yeah, Tom Rash worked on punisher 2099 in fact he was the last artist to do so and then we spent a lot of time on black alpha which is one of his uh creations that he's been working on for the last 10 years um it's a a whole universe that he's really built out it's an amazing comic if you're not reading it you should you can get it from wtf comics but yeah let's get right into the interview i think you're gonna enjoy this one thanks everyone well welcome to the show tom it's such a pleasure to meet you um I, I'm super excited to have a conversation with you.
1: Well, it's great to be on the show. I appreciate you having me here. So,
0: Yeah. So I thought what we do, uh, Tom, is let's just go way back and and figure out where this passion for art came from. I think that would be fun. Like when, when did you start drawing characters and when did you know that comics was something that you really wanted to do?
1: Well, I've, uh, I've stated this quite a few times over the years is yeah. that, um, Around four to five years old, uh, uh-huh. a couple of significant things happened. I was, um, my dad is an airman, Bob. My dad, Bob, is an airman. We were stationed over in Guam. And um, first things I saw on television were Batman, Spider-Man and Star Trek all at the same time. Yeah. And then um, I noticed my mom, Maggie, is a wonderful artist. And so she had some drawings uh-huh. <clears throat> sitting around and I would sit there and try and copy and do her drawings. And so learning art and learning about this amazing world of nerd culture which has now become mainstream pop culture was like really a pivotal milestone for me and um mm-hmm. i tell people between art and my love for like um you know these exceptional characters in, in the medium of comics and tv shows and movies and et cetera kind of forged a path for me that i instantly fell in love and i not, never looked back and it's still you know true to this day so
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when did you start, like, thinking about your own characters and figuring out little worlds that you wanted to eventually create for yourself? Did it start at a young age where you had little concepts that came to to being?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know. I've said this before. I'm not sure if any creative kid or, you know, people that like to doodle or draw or people that are into comics have the same experience. But, uh, you know, I mean, my first drawings were were Batman and Spider-Man and, and the Enterprise. And so um, as as a few years and once we came back to the States, my mom started buying me comic books and I had a memory of her buying me, I think it was a Neil Adams comic book. Mm. And I was completely blown away because that Batman was different than the Adam West one. I was yeah. just on the TV show and, you know, it's kind of a darker thing and, and his cape was like 20 feet long. And <laughs> so I was kind of intrigued and, I, and that Robin wasn't in that one, but that was my introduction also to comic books. So of course, Once my mom started buying those for me um, and then we'd go visit my grandparents and my uncles who were teenagers at the time, they introduced me to Bruce Lee and they had a huge stack of a box of comic books up in the attic at my grandma's house. So they would pull those out. And so I was also introduced to like this amazing world of Marvel and DC, you know, characters that weren't, that I wasn't aware of, like, um, even stuff like doc savage or these pulp heroes but conan the barbarian adam warlock um, fantastic four you know I mean, I mean all of these and so um besides already getting on the kick of drawing i'd sit there and pull the comic books out and I'd start doodling so of course i would mimic all these characters that i was enjoying but after a while i would also be like you know hey I, I, what if i kind of doodle one of my own characters and um in a uh, black alpha which is kind of my premier character i created him as a fifth grader i was 11 years old and i knew i mean that i wanted something that was a a superhero in space and i wanted him to have a spaceship like the enterprise or the batmobile as like kind of his hot ride and and it just kind of grew from there and of course the uh that version compared to the version of what he is now i mean back then he was uh he was an atomic (laughs) scientist named adam Steele, dr adam Uh Steele, and he was in an accident like the hulk yeah that gave him the strength of 30 men, that that was it. And, and he yeah. had the color scheme in the name, but he was in space and he had a spaceship. Well, the modern version has uh, differed from that slightly. It's a lot more what I pitch as Batman and Iron Man meets Star Wars, but um, <laughs> that's that's kind of where it began. And then, you know, a few years later when I was getting into my teens, um, after seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, oh, yeah. and, and actually obviously Star Wars too, eventually would have an influence on Black Alpha, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, I wanted to do my own pulp character. And then after a while, it just became a habit for me, like all of a sudden, boom, and it still happens currently, like I'll sit there, either I'll throw away line from a movie or just randomly on its own, I'll get a seed of an idea will be like, oh, hey, it would be cool to, to do this. Right. Um, I, I will say I have one character that I've been developing for a while because, you know, Batman is so strong in influence. Um, I will only say this much about it is that I was inspired by, uh, when when the, Twilight, when the Twilight movies first came out, uh-huh. the very first trailer I remember seeing was that uh, Bella, the character, was trying to figure out, um, is it Edwin, Edward, or whatever, um, Team Edward, I'm trying to remember the, the main lead, but she was trying to figure out why she noticed the weird supernatural things about him. And she goes, well, it's not kryptonite. It's not a radioactive spider bite. So she was kind of implying like superhero. Yeah, And from that throwaway line, and this happened some years later. I'm like, what if I actually combine the two genres of vampires and superheroes? And so my premise is, what if back or what if Dracula were Batman or vice versa? You'll uh, so see, <laughs> sometimes there's a line, and then all of a sudden true. I'm like, there, there's a nugget of an idea that I can explore and develop. Um, so it, awesome. it can it can happen randomly, and I, I have so many characters and universes and their lives living in my head that it gets pretty cramped sometimes. But it's <laughs> like I can't I can't stop it. It's yeah a, yeah part of who I am. And I guess, you know, I always tell people when I was a young child, you know, I always had four or five goals I wanted to do. I wanted to be a starship captain. Yeah. That was number one. Yeah. And then uh, a little bit later on, I wanted to, wanted to be a rock star. You know, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I wanted to draw comic books and these were all roughly around like, you know, mid grade school years. And um, Mm -hmm. I think I didn't realize it at the time, but I I, I guess I found my calling, you know, uh, being a storyteller. And so, and there's been a lot of ups and downs through the years. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of disappointments that go with that, but uh, I guess it's, you know, if anything, I tell people, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of what storytelling represents in culture. I mean, Mm. you know, do you hear about the whole, the old cave? excuse me, the old cave drawings. Yeah. And I feel like the number one thing that pushes culture forward and pushes our species forward is the sharing of ideas. Yeah, Yeah. And so in a number of ways, you know, we can get those in various forms. And that's the thing that, that will continue us to grow culturally globally and I feel like uh comic books and entertainment and anything like that is another kind of form of that and people can be inspired Mm -hmm. to live their own hero's journey yeah um that's what I've had to apply it to myself almost through my entire life you know to get through the rough spots Mm -hmm. and either put yourself in in the, the shoes of these heroes you admire or you know or whatever the whatever the case is to kind of move forward and um So for me, I've accepted that despite the rough times that we all have, and I wish at times I could have picked a simpler path for myself, but I have to honor who I am. And so I've learned that I'm like, you know, there's going to be highs and lows and disappointments and milestones and wins, but uh, in the end, I wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah.
0: That's incredible, Tom. Wow. I got chills, my friend. Oh, cool. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's me preaching from
1: the pulpit of storytelling. So,
0: yeah, yeah. But I mean, you could see the passion that you have for it and uh, really how it's uh, been such a big portion of your life and it's real. I think everyone could feel that. So, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That's amazing. That's amazing.
1: Well, interestingly enough, I've had several things happen, especially in the last 10 years where, um, you know, Black Alpha, I got Black Alpha in the public eye. I made a choice about 10 years ago because when I would do comic conventions and I was a guest, they'd want to kind of come see my work with what was already established. You know, yeah. I drew for Marvel for some time and then, um, yeah. you know, I'd sell prints of the Hulk and, and Wolverine or whatever. And, and I knew that uh, I decided I'm like, I think it's time for me to kind of utilize the platform of being out, you know, with the public and and, and trying to promote my own intellectual properties and material and and i knew that was a bit of a jumping off a ledge because there's a bit of a vulnerability which is uh well people like my work they don't know my character versus over the the brand names that have been around literally for decades and i'm like um but i do remember you know uh it being out there and then within a short amount of time and because of stuff like facebook i started getting all these opportunities rolling in quickly people were interested in trying to develop it as a you know a tv show a cartoon or a movie um, yeah. I had some stuff. I was featured in USA Today yep. uh, almost ten years ago. I had some of my Black Alpha toy prototypes and T-shirts and posters were on The Big Bang Theory.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, that to me kind of showed that my instincts were correct that maybe I had something
0: mm-hmm.
1: worth worth sharing with an audience that hopefully you know hopefully would uh, strike a chord. So, um, and since that time, I've actually had a few of my other projects have also uh, at least seven characters and IPs I have in the public eye have had interest from producers in Hollywood. Wow. Um, one for a while, which has unfortunately been shelved at the moment. Another character, the one that I brought up earlier, that was like my Indiana Jones, Salem Tusk is his name, was, has mm-hmm. been developed as an independent action film for the last four years. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it's not just one character, it's several of my characters. Wow. Um, and so that's that's at least a good validation that what you have, like I said, at least has some merit. Sure, yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of the, the disappointments that go along with that, though, is that you realize if you decide to forge this path of getting in the Hollywood arena, mm-hmm. it's not as cut and dried as maybe the kid in me would have thought, you know, what I mean? yeah. like, like, cause you you can't, it's hard to segregate or separate your passion of like the kid in you. That's so excited about creating material. Yeah. And then, and then the process of bringing, bringing it to light or to life mm-hmm. is a whole other process. And then, you know, comic books are even can be difficult just in yeah. themselves. Sure. You know, tell yeah. people, I said, it's a lot of work that goes into creating a simple comic book. So imagine trying to get it out there to, to, uh, you know, meeting up with strategic partners like producers, et cetera, to get a whole TV show project or a film. I mean, that's a lot of moving parts there. And so a lot of times things get derailed Yeah, and I've kind of run into that over the last 10 years and I've taken my lumps, but like I said earlier, at the end of the day, I pretty much just kind of remind myself, you know, this, and I have a young daughter of a four-year-old named Mari, and this is part of the um, legacy I want to leave for her. Yeah. Is dad gave it his best shot. So in light with all that being said, um, a few years ago, we started filming a, a documentary, and the subject of the documentary was me. Yeah. At my age, um, not giving up on any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and having a young daughter, to what that'll represent to her, you know what I mean? And so yeah. she's a big part of the narrative of my life, anyway. The most important part. Sure. And uh, and that's what I want to show her. So one time I, I had a couple of years ago, she's getting older, more aware. I, I always get choked up when I when I relay this to people. Is that one time she's walking past my computer. And she sees all seven of my characters lined up, and she goes yeah. superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> and then she points to my fem- one of my female characters named Evelyn, and she goes, "I want to be her for Halloween." Wow, I mean, that's so the awesome. fact she that <laughs> hasn't sunk in that Dad has created these. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and and she like because uh, they were my brain children for years before she came along and became my actual child. But yeah. I said, there's no other feeling in the world knowing that your kid appreciates what you're doing without even kind of fully realizing it yet. You know, yeah. so that's a big. A big great memory for me and uh, you know and I've got posters of the Salem Tusk movie you know on her wall in her bedroom and her mom put it up and then also like there's a big cut out of Black Alpha when yeah. you walk in the house of her mom's place <laughs> and it's behind her and she, you know she's got her own little Black Alpha ship I made a 3D print that I gave to her you know what I mean so <laughs> she's got amazing. things that hopefully when she gets older she'll think it's cool that you know dad uses yeah. imagination a lot so yeah
0: no doubt Tom no doubt that'll happen that's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I got four children and in, in a small way, I could relate, right? Cause you, you certainly want your kids to be proud of what you've been able to accomplish and you want to leave a legacy like that for them. And I'm, I'm so happy for you that you're able to do that. And no doubt your daughter will, uh, I mean, she already appreciates it, right? If she could point at your screen and say, that's who I want to be, there's already an appreciation there, right? So that's wow. Incredible. Well, I-
1: I'm excited, too, because uh, if things work out later this month, I get to be show and tell at her preschool. And so oh, yeah, that's I'm going to come awesome. talk to the class and bring comic books and, and give a little drawing demonstration and talk to the kids about art and comics and stuff like that's that. Cool, and so man. hopefully she'll be proud.
0: Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. That's amazing. Wow, Tom, I don't know how to pivot from that, man. <laughs> that's pretty deep, man. Uh, maybe we could uh, jump into, like, what was the first thing that you did in comics um, for like either for yourself or for Marvel, where you actually put it on paper and you started to develop your own comic or the art for a comic? Um,
1: So when I was in my mid-teens, um, mm-hmm. there was a magazine out, and this is the, really the early 80s, and it was called Comic Scene. And there was another there was another magazine I religiously read, which is Starlog. Mm-hmm. And I do believe it was the same producing team, and I also put out Fangoria, um, did Comic Scene. And so that was... I just devoured that every time it'd come out every month. And so I, that, that it give articles about upcoming books. It really introduced me to the independent comic scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, ironically too, because like I wasn't, I mean, I was slightly aware There's a few books out in the late seventies and the very early eighties that these um, these kind of like um, startup companies that were producing uh, books like Elf quest um, a number of other titles, but comic scene introduced me to the world of creator owned comics and independent comics. And so when I started reading about how things, cause that's how my brain works. I'm always curious, how do we get from point A to point B? How do we make yeah. the, how do we make the soup? Yeah. You know, like, like all the ingredients. And I w- would want to know how does somebody become a comic book artist?
0: Right. Uh, same right. thing
1: with movies, like how does somebody become a filmmaker? So anyway, so um, I would start reading these articles. And, um, and so at that point, because, you know, I knew I was on my path of what I wanted to do. Um, I started actually, you know, I wasn't drawing on the correct size paper, any of that stuff, but I would use pencils and magic marker
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I would take some of my characters and finally, and I started initially doing them in a comic strip. Format. Okay. Mm-hmm. So around 14 or so um, I had this character uh, with a pretty lame name of the blue Avenger. And he was supposed to be another Indiana Jones pulp character. And I decided to have a scene where he's fighting some Nazi bad guys. Yeah. set in the 1930s. And uh, so I did it as a three or four panel strip. huh. And that was the beginning of it because I figured, well, that'll kind of get the notion of what it's like to sort of construct your yeah. scenes, um, how to lay them out. Yeah. And uh, and then from about a year or so later, I started doing like a full page of another character of mine, um, Jonah Smith. He was kind of like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Warlord.
0: No, like I'm Carl. not. No. Um,
1: the Warlord was a character that came out in the 70s. It was, you know, like during the 70s, like Conan and fantasy okay. style characters were really popular. And yeah. this particular character was a, a huge influence on me. And I, I wanted to do a character like that. You know, it's like a, okay. a character who's like a stranger in a strange land. And, and in the case of the Warlord, he was a, an Air Force colonel, I believe, who gets shot down in a spy plane. He ends up in this land in the middle of the earth, kind of like journey to the center of the earth called oh, Skataris. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's got modern technology, like he's got guns and explosives, but he's basically dealing like in a, a sort of a Conan fantasy realm. Yeah. Anyway, that was my introduction, uh, introduction of fantasy. So I'm like, okay, I want to do this character. And so I started drawing this Jonas Smith character where he's walking into a tavern and he's being monitored by some dark figure in the corner of the tavern. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just a thrill to that. Like, you know, this, yeah. this like, here it is. Yeah. I'm breathing life to the stuff up here and I'm actually putting it down on paper in story form. as opposed to simple one-off drawings or, or, uh, you know, pinups and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, in fact, I was so passionate about it that uh, I had my first quote unquote girlfriend at that time. And that meant she was calling my parents' house 20 times a day. you know. (laughs) And I remember after the first couple of days, I thought it was really cool that she was interested because I didn't think I'd ever get a girlfriend. Um, (laughs) And she uh, called and she would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm drawing <laughs> comic books. Leave me alone. You know, so that's how I knew how passionate it was. Cause I, I, I see stories where somebody goes, well, yeah, you know, I got into drawing or I got into comics and I discovered girls. And then that went by those ways. And I'm like, Nope, never happened with me. <laughs> it's a complete never opposite replaced. for me. <laughs> yeah, never replaced. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so that's how I knew that this is something I'm passionate about. So around 16 or 17, there started being articles in comic scene about people who had questions. How do you get into comic books? Yeah. And how do you do this? And, um, and so I started reading articles about like people getting samples together and uh, submitting, I guess, packages off to like an editor that worked for Marvel in D.C. The, you know, they were the big two then. They're still kind of the big two. Um, mm-hmm. and, and on a side note, the first comic book I forgot to mention is that literally changed my life because I started collecting it. I started buying for myself mm-hmm. on my own. I would take my bicycle and ride down to the local grocery store once a month. It was the X-Men yeah and it was John Byrne and Chris Claremont and Terry Austin and that was the book another one that changed my life where I was so not only about the characters I started noticing artistic styles that drew me to the book and um, so that was another where I'm like I want to do I love John Byrne he's my rock star hero in the comic book artist realm I want to do what he does and so I started learning things Um, but because I was a very shy kid I'm not now I'm not a shy person but back then I was extremely shy so it took me a while when I would learn to uh, maybe forget how things are done, but to execute them and put them into a plan right. took a number of years. And so it went from like my eight, my late teens until my very early twenties to sort of take the courage to go. I'm going to go to a comic book convention and, and show off my work. And so the very first one I went to was San Diego comic-con. Oh wow. And that was before it blew up and you know yeah. what it is now, but it was actually the summer of 89. It was the summer that the Michael Keaton Batman came out.
0: Oh wow. Yeah.
1: So I went there with my work and, um, and it's interesting because nowadays I see people on Facebook that will share their work and they're, they're so used to getting, and I, I'm all for being supportive. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they're so used to their friends and their family telling them how amazing their work is. And a lot of times to me, it's rough around the edges and sure. Yeah. yeah. And and I think because of that, sometimes the quality of their progression suffers. So, yeah. um, so back then when I went to the San Diego Comic-Con, it was like Shangri-La to me. I mean, like I was so excited to see these artists that I'd been reading about or that I've followed their work for years and they're there at a table uh, sketch, excuse me, sketching in front of me. And um, long story short though, you know, there was portfolio review lines and oh, I learned wow. about that. So I went to DC. Uh-huh. First one I went and sought out and um, saw there was a couple of several gentlemen ahead of me that had their portfolios of comic books and I'd be peering over their shoulder and, and I got really scared because I saw, I'm like, wow, these guys are really good. And they're getting torn to shreds. They're not oh, getting wow. work. They're not getting offered a job. And so I tucked tail and ran. I, uh-huh. I left. I left the convention center that day, went back to my room and hung out and figured yeah. out what am I going to do? So I went ahead and collected my courage, went to the next day, went back to DC, and I immediately got shot down. Yeah. And then I worked my way down the list. I went to Marble, got shot down, went down to smaller companies, got uh-huh. shot down. So it was pretty deflating. And then towards the end of that con, I reached out to an artist. I started going around the third day and I would seek people out that I followed their work and ask them if they would take a look at my work. And one of them was Carl Kessel, who was an inker on John Byrne's Superman run in Mm. the 80s on DC. And I liked his inking style. So he actually gave me encouragement and said, hey, have you ever thought about being an inker? He goes, you got some of your your rendering and your line work is dialed in. So he gave me kind of that set lifeline that I think I needed. And so he gave me um, some information and I... Um, connected with some editors at both Marvel and DC and I got samples to ink over. And of course I did these samples and I started thinking, I'm like, you know, I really want to be a penciler though. Yeah. And I remember what Carl told me at the convention where he goes, he goes, you're trying too hard to kind of be clever with your storytelling and your panels, oh. your layouts, et cetera. So he gave me the five basics and I went ahead and took those and decided to apply them for the next couple of years and work on my samples mm-hmm. and uh, always had, you know, copies ready if an editor mm-hmm. asked. So, so anyway, so there was about a three-year gap between my first time going to my first Comic Con, getting shot down. Yeah. The next time I went back and approached it, went with two very good buddies of mine, and so I decided to seek out DC again. Yeah. Follow my trajectory. Yeah. I walked up to there, and the first words out of their mouth were, "Are you working for anybody, Tom?" Oh wow! <laughs> and so, and that's how the rest of the convention went wow and so for me it felt great to get that validation from like you know you need to get a career in truck driving the first time yeah that you know maybe this isn't meant for you towards towards, and so I I went ahead and connected with a lot of great people that con and got tons of contact info and so from the convention and originally I was supposed to possibly drive for Malibu and within a few months time span they were actually acquired by Marvel so I got a phone call uh just a few months later it was in November of believe it was 90 early 90s so maybe 92 or 93 um it was an editor for marvel mm-hmm. called me up and left a message saying hey i'd like to talk to you about possibly working for mighty marvel comics wow and so i got put on the punisher 2099 title it was actually yeah. the last artist on the book yeah but i'm saying that you know the thrill that i had uh, yeah. and it was a dichotomy going on because i was also my family had a band and uh, oh. we traveled on the road with the band so I had this weird existence of like being in a band, <laughs> meeting girls, and drawing. And so while I was on the road, I actually drew my pages for Marvel, and I would really? FedEx them off to my editor. Wow,
0: that's incredible. You know,
1: um, but I, I equated to the thrill of an actor that has had a dream his whole life of being like cast in a TV show or movie. Yeah, it's the exact same thing, you know, within the heart. And so um, sure, but I also learned too that you know I got in when the um, the market was kind of bottoming out it was volatile so just because you got your foot in the door and this yeah. isn't applies to anything um yeah doesn't mean you're going to stay there it takes a lot of hard work and so so what ended up happening was my two friends that I went to the first San Diego Comic-Con they ended up getting jobs and careers in the video game industry and so mm-hmm. they were kind of recommending maybe I should try that out and so and here's the uh, the funny thing is I don't give up yeah so yeah. anything I want to do yeah. If it takes years to get there. I stick with it. it, it yeah. It's not always easy. So the same thing with the video game industry, I got my foot in the door with that one later in the game. Yeah. And um, and so that's what I was saying earlier. Like everything I wanted to do isn't a simple like you know you fill out a resume, you fill out yeah. a job application to <laughs> drop it off. You get yeah. you know you get pulled in for an interview. You get hired. Everything is a lot of timing and luck and getting yeah. your foot in the door. So. Uh, with that particular opportunity, and, and what my friends told me, they said, you know, you're, you're a salaried employee, yeah. you have benefits, and the money was quite honestly much better than comic books. yeah. And yeah. so uh, so I decided, well, I'll try this instead. And uh, and I ended up getting my first gig because I was so hungry for it. I, I had to compete with 100 other people. Wow. And then I had to make it into a top 10. Yeah. And then I had to make it into a top three. And our top three had to have an artist test. And I stayed up for three days straight getting this art test done for the Billy Graham studio. Wow. That I would eventually get hired by.
0: Wow. That's and so cute. that's,
1: that's what I would tell people, everything that I do, there's always a lot of bumps in the road, but I, I guess I just, I hang in there. And even with like yeah. a, sorry, I moved my computer.
0: You're okay. Um, yeah.
1: Black Alpha's the same thing. You know, I've had yeah. a lot of bumps in the road with this Hollywood experience, but mm. I'm still hanging in there trying to make things happen. And uh, yeah. you know, with the comic book and uh, you know, which is, I partner with the guys at WTF comics. I know you had John, the CFO. Yeah on there um recently yeah. and and those guys have been a, a great boon to helping me get things back on track with the black Alpha comic because right normally I was a one-man show for the most part um and trying to get a comic produced I mean I had a couple artists that I worked with um at one time I was in a position to pay one of my artists when I was working at video games but you know that's changed since then yeah. and so um I had a hardest uh, the hardest time trying to accept that sometimes you need to be able to let people in and so meeting with Jack and those guys at WTF they they constructed the Kickstarter yep. almost two years ago and that Kickstarter was a success and we're uh, currently wrapping up issue two of Black Alpha but I'm so grateful for those guys to actually make this a reality because I've had such a loyal fan base yeah. that have hung in there for 10 years now Yeah, from when I first started issue one mm-hmm. to all the, the stuff that's gone on with the movies and the TV show stuff that hasn't you know materialized yet to like yeah. I had to recognize and and, uh, kind of circle back around about like comic books are an amazing medium. Yeah. And I think I was being um, going to the dark side a little bit about being kind of distracted by the glamour of what a TV show or movie could be. I had to remind myself that story is amazing in any form. If you're writing a prose, you know, novel, comic books, poems, it doesn't matter. And so I had to re-embrace the idea that I owe it to my audience that's been following what I've been doing. Yeah. To get the Black Alpha story out to them, yeah. you know what I mean? Because a lot mm-hmm. of them have hung in there, and so I'm like, well, and and uh, so because of Jack and John and the rest, it's it's finally happening, and so I'm grateful for that. And we're we're planning on launching a third crowdfunder, okay, for Black Alpha, hopefully in the near future here. And yeah. we'd ideally like to get issues three and four done. It's a four issue miniseries. Okay. And the way that the story is constructed is uh, I equate it to each miniseries would be like a novel or a film. Okay. It's got pretty much, it's got like, things are wrapped up. There's slightly a couple of loose ends that could segue into a second series, but yeah. because this has been a thing kind of just hanging over my head for uh, years, I would just like to just get a four-issue miniseries done. Yeah. And if that's all that ever happened, I would be happy with that. So,
0: yeah, Well, that's super exciting to hear. I know I heard from John when I was speaking to him that issue two will be around the corner soon. So I got really excited about that, but Maybe we could spend a little bit more time on Black Alpha because the detail, um, and I think I mentioned to you uh, last week, the detail is incredible. And so obviously, knowing how long that you've had this in your heart to, to release, you've probably added to that world and, and built up that world over time. And I was just impressed. I mean, the language that you created, the I mean, everything about Black Alpha is impressive, Tom. I mean, it's very well done Thank and very too. detailed. It's incredible. <clears throat>
1: Well, I, I've I've always had this philosophy that I'm um, I wear my influences on my sleeve. Yeah, I create what I love and what I know. And I remember as a kid, um, I I, I remember being in second or third grade and I found the making of Star Trek book. Mm. And so you know, there's all this stuff in there. But I I was mainly so young that I was more um, intrigued by the visual aspects. And so you know, and they had like these. Layouts of the Enterprise and how yeah. big it was compared to an aircraft carrier. And then um, that in Star Trek, I learned, yeah. that, you know, there's this whole other world behind the yeah. show. And I think yeah. that kind of created the interest in, like, oh, it's not just about Captain Kirk and Spock and the Enterprise crew. Right. There's, yeah. you know, 12 other ships like the Enterprise and the fleet and, and the workings of Starfleet, et cetera. And then Star Wars, in a way, kind of did the same thing when that came out because you'd get these lines of dialogue. Yeah. And it always hinted at a larger world. So for me, because I would be so deeply entrenched in these stories and these mythologies because they become very real, not just in here, but also in my heart. And I'm like, and and sort of figuring out the engineering behind that is the world building. is so in depth that it does become that much more real to the, the audience member. And so with my own materials, yeah. I've done the same thing where I'm like, you know, I'm just going to take, I I call it applying my fresh coat of paint and what Star Trek and Star Wars has done on, on the world building. And I'm like, I've applied it to all my IP, but especially Black Alpha. Like Black Alpha has a ship; it's called the Aramis mm. Seven. Yeah, it's like uh, you know his Batmobile, Millennium Falcon, Enterprise, and so I've got yeah. deck plans for that. I've got other ships. <laughs> That's from cool. Kind of that line of ships with different classes. Yeah. Um, like you said, I, I created my own alien alphabet. Yeah. Uh, which was an idea that I got from from an old uh, late '70s Micronauts comic book where they had really? the, uh, the citizens of the Microverse their own Uh alphabet so I'm going to do my version of that and so everything (laughs) that I've done is just kind of what I love as a fan where I'm like you know there's I've got names of all my different uh, alien races in my story yeah Um, there's things I have written down in notebooks that are like I have star maps where the majority of my (laughs) story takes place in yeah Um, I have little little hints of events that my characters will refer to yeah, you know that have affected their culture, because mm-hmm. um, because the one thing that has been lost, I feel like, in the modern age, because we're so used to like just being lambasted by the amazing VFX that we see in movies and the Marvels yeah. Avengers movies, so that yeah. they show they're able to show everything. I miss the days when like um, you know, classic couple of lines out of the first Star Wars movie is when Obi Wan is explaining to Luke about the history of the Jedi Knights. Yeah. You know? And or the scene where Hansel is talking about doing the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs in the cantina, yeah. or, or even telling him that it's a fast ship. He, uh, there's something, a line of dialogue <laughs> where he says, you know, I'm talking about uh, the big Carillion ships, you know, um, not the local bolt cruisers or something. And, and so that to me, exposition can fill in the theater yeah. of your mind. Sure. And, uh, and so I'm a believer in that, that sometimes, even if you never see these things in a story, if your character references it, it can kind of create a moment yeah. History for you as the audience member and reader or you know viewer. And so, like, uh, and I even have a couple of phrases that um one of them would be like, What in what in the nine moons is what kind of a faction of pirates, space pirates say in my uh-huh. story. Yeah, yeah, and so you'll realize that there's a language that you know it's like their their way of saying what in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. That's another example of world building where in this universe these characters all have a phrase they're familiar with. Yeah. Um, there's a scene in Black Alpha where Trandon, my lead character, ends uh-huh. up discovering this ship that he's uh-huh. going to use. And the uh, the synthetic robot acolyte starts giving him information about the ship. And he says, yeah. oh, yeah, I've seen one of these in a museum when I was a kid. I'm surprised this old rust bucket is still together. That's my way of talking about, <laughs> you know, the Millennium Falcon, like the 12 yeah. parsecs line. Yeah. Um, and it's just thrilling for me to kind of have that, you know, that, yeah. like I said, it's like you're creating an entire universe, literally. with its own history and cultural foundations and cultural traditions. Mm -hmm. And these characters kind of get to live in that world. And so for me, like I said, I'm just once again, and and I'll be honest with you, I mean, since I grew up loving the things that I've loved, um, the term franchise has been tossed around quite a bit in the last 10 or 20 years of the Star Wars franchise, the DC and Marvel franchise. I'm doing my version of that because like to try and get investors involved, you know, you basically say, you don't just make it a one-off, you yeah. make it so that it can transcend and be a multi-platform, you mm-hmm. know, intellectual property. So it can be cartoons and and toys and books and novels and role-playing games and board yeah. games and video games and, and everything else. And so I built, especially Black Alpha, to yeah. be able to be utilized in that space. So with that being said, um, you know, I had a friend reach out to me about a decade ago, and we've been trying to develop a board game of Black Alpha because. <laughs> it's it's and it's not even about our main characters in the comic book it's about uh-huh. an offshoot of characters that have their own little story going on that's awesome But that's what you do is you make the you make the property the star yeah you know i mean yeah. and and whatever you know you can do like stories that take place a thousand years in the past yeah. a thousand years in the future yeah that are all the connective the connective tissue is this universe you've created so
0: wow man you're all over it tom you're all over it man, <laughs> I... <laughs> that's Well, that's incredible and I when
1: i When I get to yammering, I can still hear the 12 year old in me or 11 year old getting so excited about, you know, the sure and everything. So, yeah,
0: I mean, I think that's the driving factor, right, is that that first feeling that we had in trying to fulfill that. I mean, I I mean, as a fan, right, I don't I don't have your skill set, but I'm I'm a fan and I love to read those type of things. And, uh, you know, when you walk through that, it it brings a lot of emotion out even as a reader. Right. And and like you said, there's certain things that are, are said whether it's in Black Alpha or any other comic book that someone's reading where maybe there is a line and then you could develop that in, even in your own mind. And now you're part of that universe as you're reading it. And I think was, those are the things that we make connections as fans that want us to come back. And we're super excited for issue two, because, uh, yeah, you in our mind, we could think of all different kind of directions. And we want to know, OK, what is the direction in issue two? Because we're super excited about that.
1: Well, and I can say this that like the story that I've been wanting to do with actually any of my characters, I want them to have a lot of heart and depth. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. that's what moves me as a fan of storytelling. Sure. I love sometimes the really subtle line, yeah. throw, you know, what some people might consider throwaway line or the character moments of a heart to yeah. heart talk. Sure. Um, that I, you know, my my goal would be is to be sort of you know you ride along in the shoulders of these characters like you do in movies and TV shows, and that you know you you might be moved to tears. Yeah. By what you read because of yeah. what. One character is having, you know, a particular struggle, and so that's been goal number one: is that I, I want to tell a very human story. And um, yeah. and I will say this, you know, like like I said, I've described um, in USA Today, Black Alpha is what if you took the Batman story, you sprinkled in Iron Man tech, and you dropped it off in the middle of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to take kind of the, the basic uh, components of the sup- the superhero myth. Yeah. You know, a lot of times they're orphan; they they yeah. lose a family or family members. And I wanted to give my character have a little more depth, is that not only did he lose a family, but he lost a younger brother. Yeah. And I, I literally lost my own younger brother a year oh, and a half ago. So my I'm so I've decided to name Trandon's younger brother after Michael as my brother passed away. Okay. And I'm gonna I named him after him as a tribute. But mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way, I get to go through my own version of that now sorry. in real life, as my character does in the story about wow. to take those difficulties and how do you how do you always uh forge ahead and carry on you know and uh, that's really what I hope to instill upon anyone who's interested in following my stories is that hopefully they're inspired it's like passing the torch and, right. and I I always say you know as a as an independent comic creator <clears throat> when your thing is brand new and it's out there and you're you're taking those emotional risks you know in the public eye that um having somebody draw a pinup of your original character, there's no feeling like it. Like they're actually, you know, what came from your brain.
0: Yeah. They're
1: doing their, and I've had a number of people now the last 10 do their own pinups of the black alpha character. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, and I have my toys, I have action figures and I have prototypes of the ship and I have t-shirts and everything that goes with it. Yeah. And to see all of those being brought to life with your independent character, your original mm-hmm. character. Um, I don't know. I just, well, and I, I did do a little research on you too. So it looks like you have a book that you guys are just I do. having a campaign for, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Is that, is that your first one out of the gate?
0: First one out of the gate. You know, I've had this story like you, not as long as you, but I've had the story in the back of my mind for a few years. And I actually had a kidney transplant last year in September. And so okay. I had like four months off of work. And to be honest, after a month, I was very bored. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's just me and my wife. I have older kids So uh I said, well, why not just do it now? I have this three months off of work where I could really dedicate to the story and put it on paper. I'm not an artist, so I work with a young man um, named Day. Um, and uh he, he was able to uh take the story and put it into art form by page. And yeah, it's it should be done this week. And uh the Kickstarter ends uh actually today. And if you know, hopefully we'll be able to go to print here very quick and fulfill all those orders. So super excited to get into the world, but I'm I am I'm 30 years behind you, my friend, <laughs> I could only hope to have a little smidgen of your success. But at the end of the day, right, it's a passion. I love comic books. And whether it works or not, I could say, hey, I did it. And uh, I threw it out there. And like you said, you're you're putting your work out there for the world to kind of look at. And I'm sure I'll get a lot of feedback. And I'll know if it's something that I'm, I'm good enough to move forward with, you know?
1: Well, and i feel like regardless of when that journey begins for anybody it doesn't matter it's it's just it's that first step forward and getting it yeah like i said bringing it to life and, and bringing it to light and i feel like um the reason i brought up those too is that you know if you're ever interested i can i can uh, hook you up with some contacts because what's really cool about this current age that we live in yeah people can do 3d prints of their characters or they can find someone to model their character or custom action figure guys or have their company so if you ever want custom action figures. Oh yeah. Your, your story. Yeah. You know, I can hook you up with some contacts because that, that is so much fun because you don't have to wait around for like a big toy deal anymore Yeah, um, to get these things created. So, you know, that's one thing that. I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you'll, you know, it, it's probably the closest thing that I tell people I feel to being a birth mother, Yeah, you know, is actually like watching uh, what I've given life to, even you know, with some help, you know, being yeah. sprung into 3d form, you know, in reality and stuff like that. So um, I highly recommend it but uh, yeah I mean I, I'm always a very much a big cheerleader of anyone doing what we're doing um, yeah I try and encourage it as much as possible because I feel like in these times which have been difficult and a bit rough I mean we need positivity yeah agree. Uh, we need we need people adding and contributing to the world and if it's in cool comic book stories as one one part of that spectrum you know so yeah. be it I think that there's only good that can come out of that really yeah um, because you, like I said you don't I don't think you realize from like things webbing out from an initial starting point and then you know basically expanding yeah you know you don't know the influence that that someone can have you know uh, um i was talking to a friend who runs a comic convention that i'm going to be doing as a guest here a few months i went over to his, his house for dinner a couple of weeks when we talk about like the influence that nerd culture can bring to someone can change someone's life literally yeah. can save a life
0: oh and that's uh, huge sure. yeah
1: you know, yeah. uh, somebody who's struggling with depression or whatever, mm-hmm. something that can give them a light to kind of, you know, maybe yeah. get them going in a different direction, I think is obviously a good thing. So and that's why, like, even in Black Alpha, that's really what his story is about is, like yeah. I said, I want him to be relatable is that, you know, you, you, he, he will experience things that most of us should and have and unfortunately will yeah. but his he just happens to be in another star system in a land far far away yeah <laughs> Galaxy far far away basically um, yeah. but I want his story in fact uh, one of my friends who was writing the comic we were talking about like we should have a scene where instead of uh Trandon being taken out by his father to learn how to drive the family car yeah he's being taken out to learn how to drive the family spaceship
0: <laughs> that's cool you know yeah. what I
1: mean and, and yeah. just everything can just be applicable it's just a change of setting and yeah. stuff like that so yeah
0: no that's amazing man Amazing, Tom. Yeah, it's incredible. I I agree with you that uh, at least comic books for me was an escape as a child, right? And so, you know, if there's someone out there suffering, I guarantee that comic books is probably doing the same thing for them. Um, you know, you enter into another world. It's not the world or the reality that you're currently in, right? It's this other reality that you could experience and and it can be escape for a lot of people. And, and uh, you know, I've obviously loving comic books for 30 five years, 40 years almost, um, you meet a lot of people where I do think comic books um, and and any other kind of art form, right, probably has the same impact. But comic books, for sure, because you're entering this other world, you can't escape the one that you're in. And I do think that it has saved a lot of people. Um, I know it's been a huge impact in my life as a fan of comic books. And you know, folks like you, Tom, that are able to help create these worlds or or maintain these worlds that have already been developed as an artist, whatever that is, um, it's, it's helped a lot of people for sure. And again, now it's like you said, it's more mainstream as, as you know, 30 years ago was definitely more nerd culture, right? In fact, you sometimes you didn't tell everybody that you were into comic books. And now it's, exactly. it's just so mainstream that, you know, with the Marvel movies and the billion dollars that they've done now, everyone loves comic books, right? So it's, it's kind of weird to look around and you're like it's not the same as it was 30 years ago, but it's great. I mean, it's provided a lot of opportunity for people, you know?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's been an interesting trajectory. Like I said, people that have been there more from the beginning, you know, I mean, I used to joke only semi joke, like I said earlier, that, uh, you know, I didn't, not that I was ashamed of it. I just think that because I was so shy and kind of cut off from, I guess, forming, at least, you know, real friendships early on in my life. um, Yeah. That I remember thinking, you know, well, I can't, I want to go on a date. I want to be able to kiss a girl. I want, you know what I mean? I'm like, these things won't happen if I tell people I'm into this stuff. Although exactly. I do have one friend that I'm friends with on Facebook still. She was openly into comic books when we were in high school, and she'll comment and stuff still. So she was really cool. Still yeah, is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's been, and and I'm not exclusive either. Like the fact that the more mainstream audiences embrace the stuff that I consider supremely awesome, I'm yeah. not angry about that. I'm no, not yeah. I'm just yeah. glad people kind of eventually jump on board, and I'll never mm. be resentful towards that. So For sure. Um. And like you said, it's storytelling, it's comics, it's movies, it can be a song for people. Yeah. And, he, and, and for me, yeah. with my love of Star Trek and my introduction to sci-fi, to this day, Captain Kirk is still my number one idol. And I still yeah. go to him to be like, you know what, I'm having a rough day. Yeah. Captain Kirk is responsible for the lives of 430 crew members. Yeah. And he, he's got to be strong, but he can be vulnerable in front of McCoy. I still utilize that as a moment to go, okay, what would Captain Kirk do? Yeah. And he has to, he can be vulnerable, but at this time he has to rise up and he has to be strong to get through this or strong to get through this moment. Yeah. And, uh, and I, st- I do that with a lot of characters, you know, certain days it's I'm Batman, certain days I'm yeah. Kirk, certain days I'm Peter Parker, you know, whatever yeah. it is. It's uh, it's, and, and I obviously, once again, Spider-Man is such a popular character because he sort of started that template of this is your next door neighbor.
0: Yeah. He's not,
1: man. he's not a handsome sun God from another planet raised in right. Kansas and he's not a billionaire yeah he's, he's he's you you know yeah and that's why even even uh as much as I pitch Black Alpha as Batman and Iron Man meets Star Wars it's got several other influences of DNA uh Peter Parker is a strong one in there because Trandon my lead character is yeah. like your next door neighbor he grows up in a poor section of the star system yeah. he lives in um he's got the drive of what happened to him uh, yeah. and actually in a little bit of a Peter Parker type twist Trandon when he gets these abilities because of this uh suit that is given uh-huh. that augments his abilities. He doesn't use it to do heroic things initially, like Peter yeah. Parker did not, you right, know, and yeah. ultimately his uncle Ben died because of his foolishness and immaturity and selfishness. So sure um, you know, so there's that in there and and, and uh the, the ship being Aramis is I also love the three musketeers. That's been one of my favorite stories since I was a kid. And so the yeah. idea of like kind of a noble guard that serves a king or a monarch. I mean some of this finds its way all in the mythology of Black Alpha. Yeah. And so the influences are there. But ultimately, like I said, I want people to uh, be able to walk away going, you know, I feel for that person, or I feel for those characters, and I mm-hmm. know what they go through. That's my number one goal. And, uh, and like I said, that's why when I work with my writers, and that's one thing when you talk about it, like a skill set. Yeah, I'm the world builder, I create them, but I'm not a writer by trade, mm-hmm. I I don't write. Um yeah. I can come up with plot points. I can yeah. kind of steer direction of plot, but I work with, I've worked with some really good writers over the last several years, screenwriters. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, bring, that give my characters their voices and really bring that world to life. And yeah. <clears throat> even as a content creator, what I tell people is when you collaborate, it's like you get to be an audience member because you sort of get to see things that you weren't anticipating Yeah, when you create this world. And so when somebody comes up with a great scene or a line of dialogue, and it's nothing you would have considered. Yeah, it's so it's so much fun to kind of get that zing of like, wow, that's awesome. I it's like, you get to be that audience member going, Oh, that was really that was amazing or whatever. Yeah. So, so I'm appreciative of that. But, uh, you know, um, in any form, like I said, that's really what I want my legacy to be is that, you know, I didn't give up. And I learned to adjust my goals and dreams as I got older. And you know, like I said, drawing for Marvel was a big one. Yeah, since I was a kid but now I'm actually living my even larger and ultimate dream yeah. which is to create my own universe of characters yeah. and uh and if anybody you know who watches your podcast I'm on Facebook and so I tell people they can look yeah. it up under Tom Rash last name yeah. is spelled R-A-S-C-H and I love for people to friend request me I love connecting with everyone but uh I will say that you like you know for me um I hope I inspire people. I'm constantly inspired, you know, and uh, I just, like I said, I want to keep that thread going and pass the torch and say, you know, Mm -hmm. do something with purpose in your life. So.
0: Well, that's super amazing, Tom. I mean, someone like you and opening up like that could be a huge mentor for other people that are really entering the industry for the first time. And, you know, you have so much experience and you've accomplished so much and you're not done yet sounds like you got a lot a lot of great plans for black alpha what else do you have going on outside of black alpha is your main focus right now uh, today uh, really around black alpha and finishing that four-part series i assume yeah i mean that's
1: that's kind of the the in front of me the you know the current focus is to get yeah. issue two done and then continue moving the uh, you know moving uh, the comic along to its four issue conclusion um and yeah then we'll see how things go after that i'm currently working with uh, jack egan who's mm-hmm. another um you know i think you might be interviewing him too if i'm not yeah. mistaken yeah. Uh, yeah. him and i are collaborating on another character of mine called the bondsman which i created in the early 90s it was very inspired by image he kind of um, looks like spawn kind of those characters and so yeah him and i have been uh, hammering out that story as uh kind of a graphic novel one shot and uh that'll be probably after we get black alpha going and, and back on trajectory yeah. um we'll be working on that and then um like I said, my Salem test character was being developed for a film an independent movie. And I've been working with uh, Bishop Stevens, who's a former WCW, WWE wrestler, and he's been acting in other films. And so um, he's supposed to be playing the title character, but you know, there can be a number of things that sort of, you know, kind of another bump in the road. And so we're dealing with that currently. So for the moment that movie has been shelved, at least for the time being. So yeah, with that being said, I'm actually playing around with the idea of also doing a Salem Test graphic novel, um, yeah. or at least a prose novel with spot illustrations, because that's uh. kind of the era that it comes from. And then, uh, like, I have another character, Evelyn Levin, that, you know, same thing. Like, I just wish I had the time to do yeah. all these things, but I, <laughs> I don't, I want to try and figure out a more strategic plan moving forward, yeah. how to bring characters to life. And even if it's not a TV and movies, still getting them in printed form. And so, like, Evelyn, I can say this, so I have a character... Evelyn Levin and I sort of describe her as like uh, a female Jason Bourne, a female soldier that's kind of in a Mad Max style world. She doesn't have any history or, you know, memory of her history. She takes it upon herself to protect this family. And it's kind of a space Western. Uh Um, That's that interest from a producer in Hollywood, you know, that that we've been trying to bring the components for that. There's another one, Damien Moon, which Mm is, uh, he's sort of, what if uh, James Bond were Dr. Strange? (laughs) <laughs> I also created him as a as a you know 16-year-old. Yeah. And I've had a couple of, you know, interests from Hollywood producers on them. And 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 there's other characters of mine, Marutec, which is a, a Mexican superhero based on a tribute to my late great-grandfather. Yeah. Um and they've all had interest from Hollywood, but because of how things have gone, I'm I'm yeah. trying to more focus on like, let's get these in the comic form. Yeah. Whether or not it's a one-shot or a miniseries mm-hmm. or a graphic novel and get them out to an audience. And then of course, if the uh if the Hollywood thing does happen, I'll treat it more as a nice surprise. Cause yeah. I mean, I still, I, I am doing things differently by the way. So for years I used to announce things like if I got option for anyone yeah. in your audience that doesn't know what an option is, it's like a Hollywood entity comes to you and says, Hey, I want to develop your thing as a movie or cartoon or whatever. Here's so many months. And we have the rights to do that. Now, yeah. you'll see a lot of these announcements and stuff like variety and deadline. Hollywood doesn't mean the thing's going to get made. In fact, Took me a while to realize this too, like probably over 90% of these announcements that are made, they don't ever come to light. Wow. So like all the TV shows and movies you see, yeah. those are almost in a, a miraculous, like they're breathing rarefied air to even be there. So
0: wow.
1: at least I've been optioned more than once. Black Alpha has been optioned three times now. Wow. And I was having talks, having talks with Netflix last year about all my characters. Yeah. Um, I still talk to people in that world behind the scenes. Yeah. I just don't share stuff anymore because right. it, it is pretty disappointing when you're like, oh, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen over and over yeah. again. So with that being said, um, I still am entertaining talks with people in the Hollywood world about what I'm doing, but um, I won't announce things until like it, it, there's something to show people. So sure. so for now, the thing I can be a little more part of, of being in control of is creating comics. Sure. Like I yeah. said, not an easy thing, like I said mm. earlier, but a little more doable than trying to get a like, you know, and, and on a side note, i also planning on becoming a filmmaker myself. Oh, how cool. So it's never too late to start. No way. And I'm I'm a huge proponent of self-education. So I've been learning some things and I want to hopefully next year do a couple of short films. And, um, you know, because I've got all this crazy stuff going on. I actually got invited (laughs) last year to audition for a movie. Oh, wow. Uh, There were some things that got derailed and I'm hoping that opportunity is still there. But I figured if not, I'll create, because I'm actually thinking of doing two shorts where I actually act in the movie yeah um and it would be like my directing and in uh demo reel for acting yeah because it's about creating content and i think that i want to be able to say i've got completed content and if it means a short film over here a comic series over here you know whatever it takes that's you know i want to be a part even acting that's something i wanted to do since the 90s quite honestly but i was too shy yeah and uh and i've been able to uh I, i i'm represented i have an agent out of hollywood and i'm trying to base roles more around my appearance Mm -hmm. i I have no illusions to being like an oscar winner type actor it would just be like we need a pirate for this we need a a knight Um, yeah you know we need a a space bounty hunter you know because people have compared my appearance to like jason momoa and so i decided i'm going to like utilize that a little bit yeah and and just figure out it just have if you know just have a blast making movies and i don't care if they're b movies i mean yeah i think the whole process of storytelling is amazing i love i love craptacular b B movies just as much as i love like the prestige a-list or oscar contenders you know everything in between i love so Mm -hmm. so so those are some of the things that i have going on and i'm excited about that because it really is about like taking kind of becoming steering your own ship as the captain
0: yeah Yeah.
1: and realizing that you know if certain things don't work out don't take that as a sign and trust me i've been tempted to say okay this is not going to work out yeah it's not going to happen and I'm learning to constantly circle around that and say, okay, let's keep moving yeah. Circle around that. Let's keep moving. And so this filmmaker thing is a version of that where I'm like, you know, if I do a little five minutes thing yeah. people get to view it, it's a completed yeah. short film. That it's would cool. be awesome. Yeah. That's you know, cool. Same thing. And so, yeah, not everything has to be this big sort of, you know, opus, this epic yeah. to get done. So, so that's really, really, really invigorated by creative spirit is to go getting a comic done. It's on its way. It had some bumps in the road, even production on the black alpha comic cat bumps I didn't foresee but I'm like but we're, we're still doing it still really doing it. what matters yeah,
0: yeah. well that's um, super awesome Tom that's incredible man I, I'm pulling for you man I hope you, you get that opportunity that'd be amazing
1: well I appreciate it, it would be it would yeah. be fun it would be it fun would. to something to show my daughter too you know
0: absolutely um, yeah
1: but uh, but you know when you were talking about doing a crowdfunder too like I know a lot of times crowdfunders don't always succeed yeah there's a number of reasons behind that it's not like there's a surefire formula but I, I always enjoy seeing people go okay we didn't raise the funds the crowdfund but guess what yeah I've got a plan B and C we're gonna still absolutely gonna make yeah. it happen and that's really yeah. what I love to see and it's you know it's inspiring back and forth you know to let yeah. people know because I, I can be reminded of that too like sure yeah, you're having a rough day blue day look what this person's doing so
0: yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we, if it's a passion and you're uh, really serious about it, I mean, I think that's the attitude you have to have, right? Yep,
1: for yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I I equated to like, trust me, I've had a number of times through the years where I'm like, okay, this has been too much. Yeah. It's emotionally draining. What an emotional roller coaster. Maybe I'll live a normal life and join a dart league. Yeah. Evenings, <laughs> work yeah. my job and be happy. Exactly. But every time I've tried to do that, and it's not yeah. been a lot, but it's been some. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I can't. yeah. I, it's like not breathing for me if I yeah. take all the, and like, and, and, and I'm probably in a worse position, because I'm like, this has been going on since I was 11 years old. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and it never stopped. There was yeah. never a lull in there, you know, so yeah. I'm like, so I can't, it's like, it's not being who I am, if I really tried to do that. And yeah. that's why I said, it's been tempting. And, but you know, everyone's got to, they got to be beholden to their own, their own path yeah. and their own selves. And I know for me, like I said, storytelling is my number one passion in life, you know, yeah. besides my love for my daughter.
0: So yeah absolutely top
1: yeah.
0: two yeah those are a good top two tom
1: yeah she's the top one and you know <laughs> yeah. storytelling passion is right underneath that so
0: yeah well tom i i can't tell you how uh how grateful i am that you were able to join today really appreciate you walking us through your experience what an amazing experience um that you've had in comics um it sounds like almost film is coming next for you um, you just Hopefully. accomplished Hopefully. so much. And, you know, the people that I've mentioned, like, hey, I get an opportunity to talk to Tom. They're like, oh, my God, that guy's a legend in the industry. So um, just I, I'm sure you already know, but a lot of people really appreciate everything that you've done in comics and around comics. Um, and I'm I'm a big fan. I cannot wait for uh, Black Alpha 2 and uh, the four part series being done. Um, if there's anything that I could do, at least just to pump it up, I'll throw it all over my channels and we want to make sure that uh, you have everything you need to finish that story. Cause I think a lot of people want to hear that story, uh, be fulfilled.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And then I could already tell, like when you and I just connected over the last week or two before this podcast, yeah. I have a new friend.
0: Absolutely. Tom, I really appreciate immediate,
1: immediate that. Immediate friendship. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, no,
0: we, we need those in the industry and, uh, I certainly look up to you and uh, I really appreciate you uh, being open to being on the show. And like you said, even outside of this show, man, I hope we can still connect. I think you're an amazing human being and yeah, I really appreciate it, Tom. Thank you for joining today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate
0: it. All right, Tom. Thanks again.
1: Thanks.